Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Today I'm here with Sue Wilsey, and Sue is from Chicago. She is a library marketer who just happens to be celebrating her one-year anniversary of a one-meal-a-day intermittent fasting lifestyle this week. So congratulations, Sue. Thank you. Thank you to you because it was your book that helped me go and get this done. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. So had you done intermittent fasting before you read my book? I had really researched a lot about it probably about two and a half, three years ago. And I started the every other day plan and it worked pretty well at first. On that plan, they say have 300 calories on your off day. And that's just annoying. Yeah, yeah. And especially I'm a social person and I'd go out in the evenings and sit there and have a carrot stick and I would be very miserable. So now I have my one meal a day in the evenings and I'm able to socialize and I'm busy during the day most of the time. So it just seems a breeze to get done as long as I do the clean fast. Oh, yeah, I think that's important. Oh, and I'm like you, by the way, with trying to limit it to 300 or 500 calories, depending on the plan that you read. That just made my stomach mad. <laughs> like it was a, just enough to wake up my appetite and make me want to eat. Exactly. And that is the beauty of the clean fast again, because it's kind of like if you just don't give your stomach, if you don't even have any food, then by the end of the day, I'm, I'm ready to eat. So <laughs> Yeah, I like to eat every day too. And you're right. It's easy to structure it around your social life. Whereas I remember before trying to fit the alternate day fasting in and like planning out, well, but I've got this thing coming up and then this other thing coming up. And sometimes it was hard. Exactly. You know, people ask me all all the time, how did you find the Delay Don't Deny Facebook group, which is where I started reading some of the posts and then, you know, immediately went online and downloaded your book and Appetite Correction and the Obesity Code and like spent the entire weekend reading all three of them. And then the following week I started, I just did total low carb that whole week for like four days. 
I was ready. And so I just started. It was, I think it was the last day of September. And from that point on, you know, I, it was like, I'm reliving it now that, you know, I'm at this conference right now where I'm talking to. And I was at the same conference last year at this time, food everywhere, <laughs> cookies right. and brunches, lunches, you know, and I just kept going over by the, the black coffee <laughs> and drinking it away until I was able to feast in the evening. Love it. I've also experienced conferences as now I'm a retired teacher, but <laughs> when I was a teacher, I remember going to many teacher conferences and it's probably the same at a library conference. You have food at every turn. Every time you have a break between sessions, they're bringing out another snack tray. Is that what it's like? Exactly. Now there is one luncheon and it's like the awards luncheon and gentlemen who I mentored won an award. And so all these people from the other libraries to work at are all coming in. And, you know, I'm like, oh, going to be a celebration and I might probably have lunch tomorrow. Yeah, I would do that too. If I deem the food to be worthy, sometimes I look at it and decide. It's conference food, but I just don't want other people to be uncomfortable. And I think sometimes they are because they're like, you know, why aren't you eating? That's a good point. If I could do what she's doing, I wouldn't be so heavy. You know, sometimes I feel more for other people's experiencing than what I'm experiencing. Oh, I think that's a great way of looking at it. I want to backtrack something that you said. When you first started, you did a week of low carb. Explain why you did that. And you're not low carb now, or are you? Well, because I had gastric bypass surgery about 12 years ago, and I had been very close to almost 300 pounds at that time. I just barely made not being too obese. And it really was helpful, and it did help me not become diabetic, which I have family members who are. And I did lose a significant amount of weight, and I weigh less now than I did at my lowest weight when I lost weight on bariatric surgery. Oh, that's fabulous. I learned how to cheat the system. I could eat small amounts all day long. You know, you can eat less. So I guess I have surgically have appetite correction. Right. I wanted to shove food down my throat. I couldn't because I just wound up throwing it up. Sorry that that's so graphic, but. <laughs> well, it's important. It's, I mean, pe- we need to hear these things from, from people who have been through them. You know, I have a couple of good friends that are doing the one meal a day also successfully, and they're thrilled about it. And when I eat dinner with them, I can see they can eat so much more than I can. So I've had to work that through to make sure at least I'm getting enough nutrition. So I have, a, you know, I have like a five hour window and I'll eat, you know, a couple of small meals or snacks throughout that window. So see a lot of time people talking about is just one meal a day or, you know, you can eat throughout your whole window. And it's really something that for you individually, and this is something you preach all the time, I know, you have to find your unique way to eat. You start to feel better. You start to see the weight come off. Your clothes are fitting looser and looser. I had to get rid of every single thing in my closet. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> now I have to shop at the Targets and Kohl's and places like that, that, you know, really inexpensive clothes because it's kind of like three months from now, they won't fit me either. So, you know, I remember going through a phase like that when I was losing. I claim I was a size 14 wide, but I was probably a 16 or something because I think I just bought stretchy clothes. I was like in denial about how big I was <laughs> for a while. But I like went nuts when I got to a size 10. Yeah. And I bought like so many clothes. I bought like expensive pants and expensive dresses because I just finally was like, wow, I feel so good. I look great. And it was like the smallest I had been in a while. And so I spent way too much money at that size. And then I could only wear them for like less than a season. Yeah, it's tempting to do that, you know, especially because I think since the beginning of summer, when I went on this crazy vacation with these wacky women, and we ate most of the time and drank most of the time when we were there. Remember that vacation? (laughs) I do. For people who don't know, we had a, a cruise for the Delay Don't Deny community and 55 of us got together and cruised around the Bahamas. We had a great time and I actually got to spend a lot of time with Sue and she is a hoot, by the way. But yes, go on with your story. And then when I came back out of that, I struggled a little bit and I've seen other people that had been on that trip and other people that go on vacation. Sometimes it's kind of like getting right back to the weight starting to fall off. And I kept very consistent with one meal a day and clean fasting, but I really was plateauing. Then I really looked back at my summer and I thought, well, you know, it must have been all that rosé that I was drinking that hindered my ability. So (laughs) I was going to do Sober October, but I just had a bunch of friends in the conference last night and just couldn't quite get it done. We all had to have a few glasses of wine. But that's the beauty because today I'm sitting here and drinking my Pellegrino and waiting until this evening when I'm going to see all my friends and we'll be able to celebrate again. So 
Absolutely. And I did actually find, you know, this is an interesting point about the wine and the drinking with the weight loss. When I was getting close to my goal at the very end, when I was like, I had a number in my mind, I'm going to hit this goal and was losing slowly. I actually did temporarily give up alcohol and also processed foods to help me get there quicker. And it, it really did work. I was losing about two pounds a week at the end there, but I think giving up the wine helped me a lot. So those of you out there who are struggling, it can make a difference. That doesn't mean you have to give it up seven days a week <laughs> or on a special occasion like Sue, but you know, sometimes delaying it, not forever, but you know, instead of thinking of delay, don't deny as in you're just going to deny it till your window, maybe you have to deny something for you know a month or so. Thank you for that advice, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Delay it for a period of time, but don't deny it for the rest of your life. (laughs) That's the beauty of it. That is the beauty of this because, you know, you can go back and, you know, look and say, oh, I went on that girls weekend and we just had a great time or, you know, it was one of my best friend's son's wedding. I always say there was two pieces of advice that I have taken so to heart that came from your book. And the first is weekend's not a special occasion. It comes every week. (laughs) Right. And I think a lot of people have to grapple with that a bit because your schedule is different. You know, when you're working during the day or whenever your window is, you have a routine. And then the weekend or whenever you're off from your regular routine, you can look at it as a signal to say, okay, I can be off from my regular routine. That happened to me a lot too in the past because as a teacher, Friday was always a big deal in a school. Like, I don't know, people that work in other jobs may think this is crazy, but we got to wear jeans on Friday and it was more casual. And so we had that going into the weekend, it was like party time. So then we would get home and I'd be like, now I'm going to drink and eat all the things and just felt like the weekend should be one big celebration. Right, right. I try to keep myself busy, you know, on the weekends too. If I have a lazy day and I just don't feel like doing anything except relaxing, I will start to be like, you know, bored, want to bored eat. So I have to try to really keep myself busy. And that's a good thing because then my house is cleaner. My garden is nicer. Yeah, that was a struggle for me as well. All right. So that was the first thing. What was the second thing you were going to share? I never was a coffee drinker until about four or five years ago. And then I, you know, started with, with Starbucks, you know, milkshakey type drinks, but those are too sweet for me. But then I would every morning have coffee with had to be half and half and I had to have stevia in it. And, you know, I did this when I was doing the alternate day fast too. I would have coffee with cream and I would count those 20 calories towards my 300 or whatever it was. You know, and I was like, no, no. I mean, I would be going away for the weekend. I'd bring my own half and half with me because I was like, if you don't have half and half, I can't have my coffee. But then when you said it's like drinking a hot milkshake, and it kind of grossed me out. And so right. I thought, if I just look at it like, why would I want to put that into my <laughs> stomach first thing in the morning when I get up? And I've gone kind of crazy about coffee. I bought one of those little Nespresso machines that makes like the little cappuccinos. And, you know, I bought the Chemex where I do the grind my own beans and have slow drip coffee. So fresh beans all the time. I'm kind of crazy like that. See, I love that. I do that too. I grind my own beans fresh for every pot of coffee that I make every morning. And it's crazy now that I drink it black, you know, you would think you would need like a milder coffee, but no, I'm over here with a Cuban roast, you know? And it's delicious. You should check out, I know you like gadgets. You should check out the little Nespresso. It's called a Pixie. It's instant. It's got little capsules kind of like a Keurig would have, but they're smaller. Okay. Get them online. But even Trader Joe's, which I know you don't buy you, but even Trader Joe's has their own version of those same little capsules. I'll have to try those. I actually had a Tassimo machine. I don't know. A lot of people may not know this. When Keurig first came out, there were two brands that came out with their little pod machines at the same time. One was Tassimo. Have you ever heard of them? I have heard of it, but I wasn't into it back then. Well, I went with Tassimo. Everybody else apparently went with Keurig. Tassimos, I think, are still out there, but they're hard to find. But the reason I chose Tassimo over Keurig is because at that time, Tassimo, like it read the barcode of whatever you were making. So it could make an espresso. It made it just that way. But it also had like lattes. So it had like a little milk canister that you would put in there and it would foam it for you and froth it. And it knew it was different. And so I swear that was like the beginning of when I started really struggling with my weight. Huh. Interesting. Because I had one of those machines in my classroom. Of course, that was illegal. Now that I'm retired, I can like admit all my sins, right? But I had a coffee machine. I would pull out my Tassimo machine and first you brew the espresso and then you put your latte on there. And I would have one before I went to work and one in the middle of the morning and one in the middle of the afternoon. And every time I told myself, well, this is only 70 calories. It's not that big of a deal. Did you add sweetener to it? I did. I added stevia to it. I was drinking those hot milkshakes. I was constantly nursing one of those, like literally. And that was when I ballooned up to over, you know, 200. 
200 pounds. And I think that was a big part of it because I never gave my body a break. Well, you know, I do see people struggling with that online and they really, it's become such an ingrained habit. And try it. You're not going to like it at first. <laughs> the black coffee. Yeah. And I think I was able to acclimate by doing Americanos, which is kind of a diluted coffee. You know, you put hot water in with the coffee and so it's weaker. So that's how I kind of weaned myself. And then now I just love the flavor of coffee. Well, for me, I like had such a fit when I realized that stevia was a problem after I read the obesity code, Dr. Jason Fung's book that you talked about earlier. That was the aha moment for me when I realized, okay, stevia is holding me back. Even even though I had lost a good deal of weight, I was struggling with weight regain and I still was hungry during fasting and still white knuckling it to the end of the day when I could, you know, open my window. But I was like, okay, if I can't put stevia in my coffee, I just can't drink coffee. So I like tried to give it up. Like I gave up stevia and coffee at the same time and lasted a few days and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> like literally die. But then I was like, no, I can't give up coffee completely. I love the ritual of coffee. I miss coffee. So I held my nose and started drinking it black. And really within a week or two, I was enjoying it. But didn't you do an experiment at some point about more recently where you did give up Wow. That was recently. I tried it again just because, you know, there's so much debate on really literally every possible topic of the world. But coffee is one of them in the fasting community that there is some debate because every now and then you'll hear a scientist say, well, really, fasting should only be water. So there was one particular podcast interview that hit the charts and everybody was talking about it in all the fasting communities that indicated that coffee was actually, you know, starting that digestive pathways in the liver. You know, there was some scientific explanation that I'm not really getting correct, I'm sure, but that basically coffee was breaking your fast. And so I was like, you know, maybe this is actually holding me back. Maybe coffee is holding me back from this fasting nirvana. I mean, I had already been at my goal weight for, I don't know, three years by this point, and fasting is easy, and I wasn't struggling at all, but I was like, let me just try it now again. So I gave it up for a few days, and yeah, it was hard. You know, my body missed the caffeine, and so I had those symptoms, but I was hungrier in my eating window. I found myself eating more. And I also felt very scattered during the day in a way that first I was like, well, it's it's the lack of caffeine. But then I realized I'm a little ADHD. Have I ever mentioned that to you before, Sue? Mm -hmm. I think I've heard it in the podcast, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Probably so. Yeah, I'm a little ADHD. I think I would have been diagnosed as a child, but they weren't really doing that in the 70s, especially not little girls. But I always had to sit in the corner, that kind of thing. Taking you know. your leg and you know bouncing up and down and and I'm I'm like that I'm fidgety like right now I'm fidgeting around with stuff but basically caffeine soothes the ADHD brain so I was like you know our brain gets something different out of this caffeine so as soon as I made myself a cup of coffee my brain went ah and I'm like all right coffee works well for me and of course we talked about this on the intermittent fasting podcast which I host with Melanie Avalon and coffee promotes autophagy it does a lot of great things in the body there's a lot of health and longevity linked to it. So I was like, I'm going to embrace the side of coffee that works during the fast. And so I never looked back. I do find also it does help when, you know, I feel kind of like I need something. In the old days, we'd go into the refrigerator and stare at it for five minutes, like just looking at everything in there and nothing would appeal and everything would appeal. But now it's like, "Eh, just make a cup of coffee. Right. And you'll get right back into feeling fine. Recently, I heard something that I actually didn't know before, but it makes sense. Someone in the groups was talking about another podcast that she was listening to. And it talked about how coffee, and I can't remember if it was the caffeine or the the compounds in the coffee itself. I'm not really sure, but it causes the liver to dump out more glycogen. So that might be you know, a reason why some people feel a little hungry right after they have coffee if, if they're dumping out that glycogen. But it also helps us get into that fasted state more quickly. That's a good thing. Kickstart your brain in the morning too. <laughs> oh yeah, but it just feels good. It feels soothing. And you know, do you ever drink iced coffee in the summer or are you strictly hot coffee? When I first was learning the black coffee thing, I did the cold brew. And one of the other beautiful things, there's many beautiful things about intermittent fasting, but I was making the cold brew and I started feeling sick. Like I had some sort of a digestive issue. I didn't know why. Uh-huh. And so when you're intermittent fasting, you know exactly what you're putting inside yourself because it's, you know, you plan out what am I going to have during my window. And so I kept looking after a few days and I said, you know, the only new thing that I've introduced was this cold brew coffee. So I stopped it and it went away. So yeah, I have a regular iced coffee I can handle, but that cold brew, I guess is just too much. 
Well, that's that's very interesting. I don't drink iced coffee. I just asked. I was curious because, you know, a lot of people swear by iced coffee, but I just can't do it. Even in the summer, I'm drinking my hot coffee. It could be 100 degrees down here in Georgia, <laughs> and I'm drinking hot coffee. <laughs> I could be in the Caribbean and sitting on the deck and I'm drinking my hot coffee. I do go out to lunch with some of my colleagues on occasion. They order something and I sit there and I drink iced tea. And, you know, one of the things I always say, people are like, how can you do that? I'm like, you know, the way I love to talk. So I can talk away while they're shoving food into their mouths. And so I get the floor. So, yeah, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> get a chance to talk to people and not uh, be interrupted, you know. But iced tea is good. I'll drink iced tea even when it's cold. <laughs> yeah. I'm like the opposite. See, I'm this Southerner. I'm like the only person. I'm going to lose my Southerner car because I don't like iced tea. But I think down south, it's like the sweet tea, right? So you have to have all that sugar in it. Well, I don't like that either. I never drank tea. I've never liked it. I don't know why my mother drank tea. Everyone in my family drinks tea. My husband drinks tea, but I've never, and yes, it is sweet tea down here. We call it sweet and unsweet. <laughs> we don't say sweetened or unsweet. We just say sweet or unsweet, but I've never, never liked tea. And it's interesting that you can have a whole conversation just about beverages that are allowed in the clean fast. There you go. There you go. But really, like you mentioned, you're drinking a Pellegrino and I am too. The fizzy just makes such a difference for me. I agree. That's another thing. At the beginning of the week at work, I have a big bag and it's like filled with water and I bring it and then I just keep popping them into the little fridge. And then I have a basket like in my kitchen that has all sorts of waters in it. You know, like every time I go shopping, I'll get like whatever water's on sale and I'll bring that in and mix it in with all the other waters. Some of them are still, some of them are sparkling. And people are like, well, you know, some people have jar of candy on their counter, a cookie jar or something. I said, I have a basket of water. I get it. I'm the same way. That was the only thing I had to make sure I had it work with me. I would take my water and I would take my coffee. And as long as I had that, I was good. So let's switch gears away from fascinating beverages and tell us a little bit about the weight loss aspect of this that you've experienced since you've been doing the intermittent fasting for a year. Well, I'll tell a personal story. And I had been fasting for about three weeks doing the one meal a day. The first week was rough. You know, anybody who's going to try it, don't think it's like, oh, instantly it's terrific. First of all, your body's adapting and you can also feel awful because, you know, you're withdrawing from sugar and whatever it is that you're not having as much of anymore. I mean, I hardly ever have sugar anymore. I really wasn't a big sugar person anyway because of the gastric bypass. It doesn't work that well. Um, the same thing with high fat. So I had those added tools. So that was helpful to get me kind of kick started. But I do remember the first first weekend feeling like hell. And I was just, I lied in bed the whole day and it was, uh, and I was like, should I eat something? And I was like, I didn't feel like eating because I felt like so awful. And so I think once I got over that hurdle, the energy thing that everyone talks about, I mean, my house had never been cleaner. <laughs> so then a couple weeks later, I had my husband and I had been married for 36 years. And he was under the weather. He wasn't feeling well. And so I kind of was like checking up on him. And, you know, we had not been getting along very well for quite some time. And we have one daughter and she's married out of the house. So it was just the two of us. And we had lost our longtime dog that we had for 17 years. Aww. So it was kind of like we were drifting away. And he, at that point, asked me to get a divorce. Deep down inside me, I was relieved because I thought I might have to be the one to do that. You know, after he did that, I was like, I'm running around the house and I'm like, oh my God, I get to get this house ready to sell. <laughs> <laughs> like starting to bag things up for goodwill and all that type of thing. And so later on in the evening, he was still not well. And we have separate bedrooms and he was in his room. And I said, you know, don't get up because you seem wobbly and I don't want you falling. And so I said, if you need something, just call me on my phone. And so at two o'clock in the morning, I did get a call on my phone. And it was him. He's like, I think I need to go to the hospital. I think I'm having a heart attack. Oh. And indeed, he was having a heart attack and we got into the hospital right away. And it was very fortunate because if he had not gone to the hospital in a few hours, he wouldn't have been around. And, you know, so there's a lot of people that see the irony in that in my situation. But it's the kind of story I like to tell people when they're getting started with intermittent fasting saying, you know, this is the type of situation that for a lot of people would break you on whatever diet you are currently undertaking. 
and you would be like, I have to eat cake or drink a lot or drive through fast food every minute of the day. And I didn't feel that way at all. I just felt like this is one thing. In fact, after I got back from the hospital, it was the middle of the day and I couldn't sleep because I was like, first of all, I got to call up my sisters and tell them I'm getting divorced. And then I, I had to call up my daughter and tell her father had a heart attack. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to make a cup of coffee with cream and Splenda. And I did make it and I had like one sip of it and I was disgusted by it. And so I didn't eat anything else. Oh, yeah, I had broken the fast or whatever, but I had already felt like I'm changed now, even though emotionally and psychologically, I want my old crutch. Physically, my body is healing well enough to say, you know what? Nah, you really don't want that. So it's been really helpful to me. I guess it's really a good benefit if I'm going to wind up out in that dating pool again. My age, who knows? Oh, you're a catch, Sue. <laughs> I mean, you are so much fun to be around. When the time comes, I don't think I'll have a problem if I really. But it's really, it's you know, no. it's been a rocky year. My job, I have a lot of political stuff that's going on in my job, and you know, my daughter and her wife have been married for three years, and they're going to want to try to have a child soon. And you know, for a gay couple to have a baby is a bit more of a challenge than your regular heterosexual type couple. So right. I got all these things going on and I feel like I'm, I have so much control over myself. You know, plus I'm off of all my medications. My osteoarthritis in my knee doesn't bother me anymore. Wow. Those things are fantastic. See, I, lo- I love that. You, you're talking about even though life is stressful. I mean, it is. We go through periods that are stressful for us and you have had a hard, hard year. By the way, is your husband okay? He's recovered from the heart attack? He is. I don't know if he's really taking care of himself as much as he should. Okay. But he's doing well. He has another woman in his life. And so that's cool. Okay. And, and you know, it's like we're very, we still live in the same house. He lives downstairs. I live upstairs. And so it's kind of right. Getting it worked out, you know, finances are very difficult in a situation, especially when you've been together as long as we have. So. But even with all that stress, intermittent fasting has given you a calmness and a peace that you wouldn't have had before, I think is the lesson we can take from that. And, you know, I will give another tip because this is something that has helped me above and beyond the fasting, but there is Deepak Chopra. Yeah, I'm a fan. If you don't know him, he's got so many great books and Oprah Winfrey, I think people know her. So the two of them had joined up um, and occasionally they offer 21 day meditations for free that you can stream one every day. And there is one that I have purchased because I like it so much. And it's like, what's weighing you down? And you know, you think it's about weight loss and it is to an extent, but it's really taking a look at what else is going on in your life that you can look at and examine. And I started re-listening to that 21-day meditation the day that I started doing the one meal a day also. And it really helped me get mentally into a space where I could look at my bad habits in my life and see the connection to why I had those. And when I had the control, you know, when you go on a diet in the past, it's like, oh, well, just one cookie at this party I'm going to have. Right. I'm just going to have two little pieces of candy. It's, you know, Halloween time anyway. So what's a couple little Milky Ways going to hurt me? You know, it's only a few calories. Like you said, the hot milkshakes to drink those. Right. But those kick in your appetite, as we know, and they also just kind of ruin the whole effect of the autophagy and the energy that you're feeling. And so I really just feel like mentally, I was able to clean out some of my head closet. I love that, you know, and get rid of some of that stuff at the same time that I was kind of like detoxing my body. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. 
If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. You know, it made me think of something, clearing out that space, and then you're ready to release the weight. Also, there was a guy in the the Facebook group who just posted something like over the weekend. He said that he had been kind of plateaued for a while, and then he cleaned out his house of clutter, decluttered everything, and then lost six pounds in a week. (laughs) And he's like, felt like there was that emotional connection, like his stuff was holding him back. You know what? That is so true, because in the, the beginning of summer... I'm an avid vegetable gardener. I love to grow vegetables. I grow so many vegetables that everybody just looks forward to them at work and all my friends and everything. I mean, I know I still will come home and I'll have eggplants and zucchinis and stuff. I wish I lived closer to you, Sue. I would take that off your hands. (laughs) You know, and it's a lot of physical work and so exciting for me at the beginning of the summer to have the energy and not be like all sweaty. You know, I mean, certainly you got sweaty when you're working, but not like when I was, you know, six. 60, 70 pounds heavier, you know? Right. And like all summer, I just wanted to be outside and hang out and just enjoy it and realize that, you know, this is what kind of normal people, quote unquote, must feel like because, you know, it's just like, I'm not like dying here of the heat and the, it's just, I'm really enjoying myself because I feel my body has gotten kind of more stabilized and I'm not fighting, you know, high blood pressure or prediabetes and cholesterol issues. I'm not fighting those things anymore. And I'm just feeling physically stronger. And there's just so much value in looking at it. I I remember years ago, the studies that started coming out about fasting and the benefits to your health. And, you know, they really were strong research studies. I could see that. And I'm like, but how could anybody do that? It just seems impossible to do. Right. And yet me and, you know, I've convinced people that I love to do it. And even, you know, people in my family, like my daughter and her wife, they don't do intermittent fasting all the time, but they're not like getting up and eating breakfast in the morning people anymore. You know, they're not drive through people anymore. They're right. My daughter-in-law is a vegetarian and they only eat vegetarian at home. And they're much more conscious of putting good stuff in your body and watching how much you eat. And, you know, I've seen that with my two boys, you know, right now they're 19 and 20 and they're both off at college. And both of them, I think, have watched me struggle with my weight for all those years. And I can remember, I'm like, are you eating today? I mean, things like that. Or are you going to have food? Are you going to eat this food? You know, because I, thank goodness I didn't mess them up. But now they're at the point where they don't feel like they have to immediately have breakfast when they wake up. And they're both, you know, maintaining a lean physique and they know that they don't have to eat constantly. And it's just great to watch them internalize this as a lifestyle too. Yep. So I hope that as the community spreads and, you know, I'll tell two friends and so on and so forth. Right. There's almost like a whole community from another country that all joins or they all like got the word on a different Facebook group that's addressing a different issue, like a health issue or something. And I think people come in from so many different places in their lives And they can know that there's this one constant that is rejecting what marketing people from the breakfast food companies have tried to ingrain in our heads that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And for some people, maybe it is because that's maybe their schedule and they like, you know, eat in the morning and then fast the rest of the day. And right learning that food is something that you can control. Right. And then you figure out what works best for you. And like you said, it might be a morning window. And a lot of people have success with that or a midday window or an evening window. It's just what feels right to you. And that's the beauty of intermittent fasting is you have the power. It's almost like before intermittent fasting, food had power over me. But now I've taken it back. 
you know, a lot of people that I talk to who've been chronic dieters their whole lives have probably lost more weight than they weigh, you know, because they lose it and they gain it. They lose it and they gain it. And at about a year's time in anything that I've done, I could see even earlier than a year, maybe even only three or four months, you know, that I would be very gradually or very quickly falling off the whatever plan I was doing. And then I would start to bloom right back up again. I'm like a all or nothing type of a person. So I did, you know, when OptiFast, when Oprah did OptiFast, you know, and it was very successful for me. Right. But that was a nothing, you know, I mean, you just had the shake. So it really was intermittent fasting at the time. And the same thing with bariatric surgery is kind of intermittent fasting, because for the first couple of months, you hardly can eat any food, really can't. Your body is healing and adjusting. And those are the things that I have experienced. And, you know, I thought if I could find something like that, instead of counting calories or counting points or getting, you know, pre-made horrible foods sent to me. And I read your story and I thought, oh my goodness, this is just what I could do. I know I could do this. And anybody else who hasn't given it a try should really give it a try. They need to give it time. You know, you mentioned this before that you know, you can't just give it a week. You have to give it time because you're going to feel awful probably at first for a while as your body makes that transition. If you've been like me or like you or the people before fasting and we're having constant in-stream or incoming food all day long, our body doesn't know how to access that stored fat. We had somebody over the weekend in the Facebook group that said, I'm one weekend and I feel really bad. And somebody replied, well, maybe this isn't for you. And I'm like, that's really, really not good advice to give somebody a weekend because, you know, maybe it isn't going to be for them, but a week is not the time to make that judgment. Right. I mean, there's so many firsts that you'll have the first time that you do go out to lunch with your friends and don't order anything. You know, the first time that you realize I bought way too many groceries. (laughs) And the first time that you realize you better get new clothes. Oh, yeah. First time you realize, oh, my God, look at the scale. It's like zipping downwards instead of upwards, you know. So there's all sorts of great things. I think if people are into it, keeping track like a journal of some sort. Right. Or even just going to an app and you know, charting it so that you can reflect back and say, okay, yeah, I struggled with this, you know, six months ago, and here's what I did to help myself. That might be something someone can help with too. But the Facebook groups are tremendously supportive on the most part. And I know you work really hard with the other folks that are moderating the page so that it keeps the message, you know, very, very clear and clean, literally, you know, because it's read the books and follow the people on Facebook that have success and you will too. I think it's important and it is hard to moderate and to be the admin of large groups because people come in from all over the place and they're like, well, I watched a YouTube video that said that if I blank, 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 then I'll whatever. And it's like, okay, well, there's lots of trains of thought, but here in our group, we believe that your body does better when you limit yourself during the fast to these certain things, plain water, the black coffee, the tea. You know, I didn't know that at first, like I said. I didn't realize how important that was. And so I made all the mistakes you could possibly make. You know, I dabbled in intermittent fasting from 2009 to 2014. I dabbled very badly in it because I was still drinking those lattes and thinking I was fasting. I'm like, it's not very many calories. It's not that big of a deal. And it was hard and I couldn't stick to it. And, you know, there was the whole mindset of, well, if it's less than 50 calories, it's not even breaking the fast. But when we realize at a biological level, you know, what do we want to accomplish during the fast? Well, we want to give our digestive system a break. Well, okay, well, then you know you're not going to want calories. And we want to access our stored fat. Well, okay, then you know you don't want to be taking in fat like butter in your coffee. And like, okay, well, we want to experience autophagy when our body is breaking down things. Well, okay, then you don't want to be putting things in. So when you realize what that means, you realize that it only makes sense to keep the fast clean. And then you feel better and then you have better results at the same time. It makes so much sense when you really take a look at it. And I've had conversations with people and say, well, look at the cavemen days, for instance, you know, and they would be hunting for days and days and maybe they don't have anything to eat and, you know, or just the very few rations that they might eat, you know, to keep them going until they get their prey and they cook it up and then they feast. 
and then they, you know, fast and then they feast. And that was kind of, I think, naturally part of the human evolution. And I think people that, you know, used to work the farm, get up in the morning, get right out onto the farm and, you know, get their work in before it got too hot in the day. And then they come home in the evening after a long day and feast and they have a big meal cooked up for them. So I don't think it's a, something like a totally unique idea. It's just in the culture and society where every time you turn the corner, there's a fast food place or a billboard right. or there's a commercial on TV or, you know, somebody sitting next to you somewhere, you know, slurping down something. It's hard. <laughs> I realize how frequently people do really eat. I flew across the country in June from East Coast to San Diego and they had three beverage and snack services over the flight. And I'm like, we really don't need to have this much served to us in a short flight. It was like six hours. We had those three serve, like one, they would come down the aisle, then they came down again. And it was just funny. Well, then everybody's got to get up and go to the bathroom all the time. Well, yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't know who said it or where I read it, but it was an example. Somebody was talking about, you know, your car. And every time you drive your car, you don't stop to get gas. You wait till your tank is empty. Right. And then you fill it up. You wouldn't be like, okay, I just drove for 10 minutes, so now I got to top off and get more gas. And it's kind of like your body doesn't need to be topped off. It's just like, just wait till your tank is empty and then fill it. I love that. That's a great analogy that helps explain to others kind of why it works. Yeah, that really is a great analogy and makes sense because you're right. We don't do that. We don't need to be constantly fueling our bodies with little bits of this and that. And of course, it it makes sense that if you're doing that, you're not going to tap into your stored fat. Yeah. And you're just going to get fatter and fatter. Yeah. That's what happened to me. And I swear, I really, if I'd never bought that delicious coffee machine, I wonder, you know, what would have happened. But I'm actually grateful that I was obese for a while because I feel like if I had just been merely overweight, I would have settled for that. I don't know if that makes sense. But I would have been okay to be like mildly overweight and I would have just been like, all right, no big deal. But I had to be like obese and then like say, no, I'm not going to do this. So I'm actually grateful for that. You know, and it's weird for me because like I said earlier, this is the lowest weight that I have been, I don't know, maybe decades and decades and decades. Wow. I mean, I struggled with being overweight as a child, you know, had to wear husky size. That's what they called it back then for girls. Husky. They're the chubby girls clothes. Uh. And then in high school, it was the rage to take amphetamines and it works. And of course, made you insane. Right. Then there was something called the cow collagen diet. And it was like this red gross stuff that you would buy at a drugstore and you just drink that. And I did that and I lost a lot of weight. And I mean, it was horrible. And then the minute you do any of these OptiFast or any of these other types of things, the second you stop doing it, you're going to gain all the weight back, which is the beauty to just keep praising the intermittent fasting lifestyle. If you screw up or you have a special occasion, it's like, well, just get up the next day and go right back to it. Exactly. And that's the flexibility of it. Not only is it free, but it will save you money. Unless you're like me and and buy more expensive food. (laughs) But we're eating such better food now. Like, you know, I use the meal delivery services. I have a couple that I I rotate through and I would be loving to mention them on the air if they would like to sponsor me. That would be awesome. But I use a couple that I love, but they're not cheap, but I still think it's less than I used to spend on food. Well, and you know, you got something balanced. You haven't go out shopping. I mean, shopping is, you know, I actually am one of those people that kind of likes to grocery shop. So now these days what I'll do is because where I live, I have all sorts of grocery stores around me within like 10 to 15 minutes of driving. Lots of them, like 15 grocery stores in a 15 mile radius of my house. You know, some people bar hop, I'll grocery store hop and I'll just go here because I I love their produce and I'll go here because they have a specific brand of something I like. And then it's like all of a sudden I've spent three or four hours shopping for groceries and I got the coolers in the back of my car and I'm like, okay, so that was three or four hours that I didn't eat. And then I have all this food in the house and I'm like, oh. My problem is I try to stay out of the grocery store. My husband likes to shop. So I can like say, go get eggs and he'll bring back eggs. You know, we're like the hunter gather family. He hunts and gathers and brings it home to me (laughs) here at the heart. Right. But when I go to the grocery store, I make really bad decisions. I buy things I shouldn't buy. And not only that, but I mean, I spend too much money. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to buy this $10 cheese. And <laughs> then it sits there and I don't eat it. And then I have to throw it away. There's like little lifestyle things that you have to learn to continuously adjust and adapt to. And whether it's the clothing, I'm like wearing a medium top. What is that? I mean, I went from a 3X to a medium. It's like, there's so many levels of clothes in between. <laughs> you know, there was some that I kind of even totally bypassed because it happens so quickly for me, which is such a wonderful thing. 
but I ran into somebody this morning. I went downstairs in the lobby of this hotel where I'm staying now to get coffee. And I ran into this woman and she's looking at me like she doesn't know me. <laughs> and I mean, we see each other on Facebook and things. And then she's like, oh my God, I didn't recognize you. And I can't tell you how many times I get that or people at me. I think sometimes, especially because I'm 62, you know, people might be like, for a second, be like, well, is she sick? Right. <laughs> you know, because people can lose a lot of weight when they get very ill and have cancer or something like that. But the most time people are just like, oh my God, you look amazing. I don't know if my sisters are going to hear this at all, but I was out with the two of them. They're both younger than I am. And somebody was asking, well, who, who is the youngest sister? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sisters. Know? She looks fabulous. And so <laughs> it's Sue. Sue's the younger one now. You're only as old as you feel. That's what I think. You know, as I'm approaching 50, next year. I am right there with you. I don't feel like I'm 50. I feel youthful and I feel vibrant. And I think that intermittent fasting really is the fountain of youth. I think, you know, when we were on the cruise with all those folks, there was so much youthful joy. You know, everybody, we were right. dancing and going down the water slide and just laughing and enjoying and really getting to know each other and people telling their heartfelt stories. Like, I think there's this energy that you feel when you have this control over and you just feel so much better about yourself physically. You're more attractive. You feel not as achy all the time. And there's so many reasons to get through that hard week and just keep going with it and just get back on it. Just keep doing it again. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500 well, I have one question for you. Is there anything you struggle with? I mean, it sounds like intermittent fasting is going very well for you, but is there anything that's still just something that you battle or that is a struggle? Absolutely working out because when I first had the bad knees, I went to physical therapy. And then from there, I had gotten a personal trainer and I was going twice a week and she was fantastic. And I was really getting in good physical strength and I was feeling much better. And then when I started doing the one meal a day, combined with those workouts, I think that was also a real helpful reason why I was losing so quickly and you know my body was getting smaller so fast. But then in the beginning of the summer, I was overzealous in my gardening and I had hurt my back for a bit and I actually did have to go to physical therapy for a short time. And I never have been able to get back into the of working out regularly. So I'm just, as soon as I put my garden to sleep, I'm going to try to do that. I joined the local park district uh, fitness facility. And You're going to get back active again. So we're almost out of time. This, this goes so quickly. I could talk to you for hours, yeah. but <laughs> what would you tell somebody just starting off with intermittent fasting? What would be your best advice for them? I like to close with that question. I would definitely look at your personal situation. Where is a window where eating would be the best for you, where you would most enjoy feasting? Because if you've got that to look forward to, whether we said earlier, it's the first thing in the morning when you get up and then you feel like you've been fed for the rest of the day and overnight you get up in the morning and you literally break your fast. Or is it in the evening or somewhere in there? If you can find that. And then I'd also suggest clean out your 
pantry, your freezer, your fridge. Get rid of crap. If you're going to only put, you know, for a, one meal a day or a couple snacks and a meal a day in your window into you, you better give yourself good stuff because you need it because that's your fuel and you will crave it. You will love it. I mean, I crave radishes. I can't even tell you. It's like people crave potato chips. <laughs> so I think you'll find something like that. I sometimes also crave cucumber slices. So it's like I get the crunch. I put a little salt on them. So it's almost is satisfying, but it's a heck of a lot better than you know going through a bag of chips. And also throw away all the food you don't love. Right. Right. You know, the stuff that you bought because you're supposed to. Right. Like fat-free butter or, I mean, I don't know. What, why? <laughs> I frequently post my meals in the Facebook groups. And last night I posted my meal and I had rice with butter on the side. And somebody commented that they had not had rice with butter for 25 years. I mean, you know, think about it, though. For rice with butter, you can't have that if you're low fat. You know, probably like 25 years ago, people weren't having fat. And then you can't have that if you're low carb because of the rice. And so really, rice with butter is probably... Something a lot of people haven't had. But it sounds delicious right about. It was so good. <laughs> rice with butter. It was a perfect side dish. We like rice with butter. My husband doesn't know how much butter I use in my cooking. <laughs> I go through a lot of butter. I have to sneaky buy butter. I have to buy it and like smuggle it into the house and hide it. Because he, you know, at one point bought into the whole, you can't eat butter, it's saturated fat, it's bad for you, right? <laughs> So he's like, I don't know why your rice is so good. You make the best rice. I'm like, I don't know why either. (laughs) (laughs) I did a a rice recipe and it was rice with, I think it's a can of beef broth and a packet of French onion soup and two sticks of butter. Throw it in the oven and you just cook it. And it's the greasiest, most delicious thing. I haven't had that in a long time. I think I might make that. That sounds really good. And also one other life-changing tip about making rice. I finally just learned the technique. I was watching the Food Network, boil it like spaghetti or like pasta and then drain it. Mm. I used to you know, measure it all out and then it would need more water or whatever. Make your rice like it's pasta, people. It is life-changing. Wow. Yeah. Well, see, now you need to do a cooking show on top of <laughs> Well, it. that would be fun because we can eat anything we want. Nothing is off limits. Well, I definitely think your bread recipe, it's got to be your first show. Well, you know, I, I got that from somebody else. That's the problem with cooking and food because really you're getting techniques from everybody else. I'm like, are any of these really original ideas? I don't know. I guess every recipe builds on another one. It's true. Unless you're starting to eat foreign foods that have never been noticed before. Right. Well, on that note, Sue, I am so sad to say, I think we've got to wrap this up. So thank you, Sue. It's been a real pleasure. And I will see you on the next Delay Don't Deny Cruise in March. I'm there. Awesome. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. <laughs>